I want to start this off by recalling the guy who approached me at Desert Fest New York and said, completely straight-faced, have you ever heard of this band, Caius? Yes, I have, motherfucker. I have heard of this band, Caius. Like... Maggie. You like that? I I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. Welcome, fanatics. This is the latest entry in the Diary of Doom. I'm Dylan, and join me as we look back on the rich history of Doom Metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers. Every week we will have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com, and subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or whatever shady podcast streaming app you want to use. And if you have a question or want to pitch something or whatever, you can fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. And this is actually the last episode of the year. Instead of uh, bringing on somebody, because I know everyone's real fucking busy around this time of the year, um, bringing back many-time returning guest, August West. Uh, we're going to do another diary deep dive. You say hello. Oh, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me on again. Um, Last episode of the brother. year, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh, it's been a crazy one. It, it, it certainly has. It's been a year. It's been a bit of a whirlwind um, for me in some ways, uh, and and then for other and probably in other ways for other people too. So, um, but uh, we kind of kind of figured you know do something that felt kind of nice and uh, comfortable and familiar. Um, and I know that <laughs> when I said I was going to be doing the deep dive stuff for the Patreon, and I was going to try to not cover the big you know, some of the big names associated with the genre, but I was like, Merry Christmas is a Christmas. Merry Christmas is a kind of a, a fun uh, uh, pun to go out on for the last episode of the year. So I said, fuck it. Let's just listen to fucking Caius and talk about Caius for a little bit. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the name pronunciation of it, but uh, you, you've been up to, a whole bunch of shit lately um arguably more than me why don't you tell people what you've been doing man because it's it's very impressive oh thank you thank you i uh I, for the first time we were talking about you know how it's been a hell of a year and honestly for the first time in a long time i am ending the year in a place that i feel i am better than was when i started i've recently opened a online business selling my uh flies fishing flies it sounds weird maybe to people that don't fish but it's uh basically 
what I do is I take fur and feathers and some synthetics and I, using thread, lash them to a hook and create all kinds of different patterns that people use to uh, fish for mostly big fish with lots of teeth. And yeah, so I've uh, opened a, a, sh a shop and it's going really well. And um, hopefully by the time this comes out, maybe we'll uh, have another big announcement, but I can't really say anything just yet about that. But that that's what you're talking about, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. What's it <laughs> okay. called? What is it called? <laughs> it's called August on the Fly. Um, it's a great name. You can check me out. Oh, thanks. You can check me out on Instagram at August on the Fly. You can go to my Etsy shop. It's just August on the Fly at Etsy.com. And yeah, you know, if you know somebody that is uh, into cool handmade stuff for their fishing, maybe you can get them something for Christmas. Yeah, hit them up. Or not. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you know. I was going to say, is that I would wager that people probably know what a lure or a fishing fly is before, but then I was taking a hit, so I couldn't comment. And then the <laughs> other thing I was going to say was, I forgot. <laughs> so we'll move on yeah. from that. Brilliant. Um, oh, no, I remember now. Uh, you said fish with big teeth. So uh, are we talking oh, yeah. like sharks here? Are you making lures for sharks? I can. I can <laughs> like... if you want me to. Uh, I totally I totally could. I um, No, what I'm focusing on is uh, right now is a lot of pike and musky stuff. Uh, okay. Yeah, they're big. They're freshwater, freshwater fish. Uh, something like a barracuda, but lives in the freshwater. Yeah, my uh, one of my uh, best friends grow up from growing up uh, back home. Uh, his dad isn't really into fishing and he's got like this fucking monstrous like pike taxidermied up above the above his TV in his uh, like den area. And like mm. it's it, I think I can't remember if he put it there or like they had an issue getting out, but they couldn't get like the hook out of the mouth. It's like sitting in the lower jaw. I don't know if he's just putting it there because he's like, this is the hook I caught it with or whatever. The, the lore. Oh, I'm like how people it have it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like in the okay, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, right. They got a, but then they did a good one. I just remember my buddy also telling me about going around. The, it was like in upstate New York, and they were going around the town trying to find like a good taxidermy to drop it off. And they went into one called <laughs> Adirondack Jack, and they said that the the taxidermy animals were turning like black. That's how like bad the guy was. <laughs> you got the wrong wrong mixture of chemicals there <laughs> i'm thinking man i've never seen a deer like turn you know like it's uh decaying in a, but mm -hmm. keeping its form so uh yeah don't go there if you need to taxidermy your animals i'll remember that did i say people <laughs> or bigfoots or yeah or sam squanches you know you'd have to find somebody real trustworthy though you yeah, to do the job. You'd have to pay him a lot of money. You also did some traveling recently. I went down to Iowa City for like the best worst weekend of my life. Yeah, I mean, for anybody that doesn't know, John Hopkins, RIP, friend of the podcast, passed away in 2020, uh, right after he turned 50. Um, so that they had a uh, like a celebration of life, essentially, for him uh, last month in November. And uh, I made another run of shirts, the burrito metal shirts, did them in black this time and shipped them out to John's mom so that they were there. I couldn't go out because it was just it was too close to the holiday and I was going home not long after or, you know, kind of like 
shortly after that. Um, and then you hit me up and you were like, oh, I'm heading out. I'm like, sweet, you know, say hello to, you know, X, Y, and Z for me, whatever. And uh, they got a bunch of bands together to play for, you know, play for John. It was like, what, like 12 bands, something like that? Uh, I don't remember the exact number, but it was uh, quite an event. Yeah. Um, I sent along a note to be read. Uh, Appreciate, uh, I believe it was Mark read the uh, note um, to the crowd, which was nice of him to do. And then a bunch of the bands played. But then uh, just uh, recently, we found out that John's mom passed away, too, which was unfortunate to hear. Yeah, it's, it was very unfortunate. Um, I grew quite close to her. Yeah, I mean, uh, I got to know her, too, because I was, like, coordinating with her about the, the shirts and everything and the donations for the first run and then the second run leading up to this. So that was, like... <sighs> like kind of a like a one-two punch you know it just like yeah that lady told me she loved me more than any other like more than any person and ever in my family ever did you know she like she was I, uh, I, uh just uh, like a, a ray of light you know I, absolutely man i can't uh just like pure sunshine man there, i mean there there's one consolation that i I, I can take is that like I know that she's with John, you know that's that that's what what she wanted, you know what I mean? She 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 wanted she missed John so much, uh, and you know she got to hug him again. So I know that that was like you know I know she was she wanted that, but I uh, I can't you know I feel like I lost like a member of my family, you know, um, in my heart and my condolences to the family and to Todd and his family and everybody. It's fucking brutal. Yeah. It just, it's, it stinks. It just, it, it sucks. You know, you know, we kind of say this, you know, it's kind of, it's a bummer to be like kind of kicking it off this way, but uh, you know, saying this like out of love and respect, of course. And I'm still just like, so bummed about John. Cause like, I felt like there was just like, there was just so much more there to be like discussed. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think somebody said it was like, uh, it felt special to be John's friend or like even acknowledged by him. But to him, it was like not anything, not to say that he didn't like care or appreciate, but to him, it was like, he just, he treated people that he found worthwhile of his time, you know, with respect and, you know, was just like a joy to be around. So. Yeah, just a just just a bummer. But I mean, I understand the celebration itself was was pretty great. It was kind of a two part thing, right? Yeah, it was. Um, the first day was uh, a whole bunch of local Iowa bands, Iowa City bands. Uh, I'd never really got to see any of them before. Like uh, or heard John's a, old heard band a lot of them. got back together. Yeah, that was amazing. Set of music. Everybody that was involved with that too. The whole night was just it was great because it was like a, it's a different kinds of music you know what i mean everybody all, i mean it wasn't all heavy bands you know what i mean so it was, i don't know it was just a nice it was cool and it was cool meeting everybody that was the first night and the uh the second night was uh danny daniel davis shout out to him his uh his other band played and they opened up for pike versus the automaton and they did pike versus the automaton played an amazing intimate show talked about john and openly weeped on stage and it was amazing 
Bongzilla was supposed to play, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. But yes, uh, yeah. one of the dudes had to get emergency carpal tunnel syndrome, as you told me. Yeah. But yeah, it was, uh, it was you know, such a bittersweet ex- experience. You know, it was, it was like, you know, everybody was like, uh, you know, we, we all knew why we were there, you know, and it didn't, you know, it was, I guess, somber could be the. Yeah. It was sort of or melan- melancholic, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, yeah. you're in good company and uh, everyone's there for kind of like the right reason. So it's like, you know, it's a, a positive experience. You're just like, oh, the circumstances around this suck. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was great regardless. And it's a cool way to, to you know, to kind of send off John. Not that anybody's going to forget about him. <laughs> so, but it'll be. Yeah kind of weird like you know i just got used to his uh mom dropping me a line once in a while you know especially after yeah. the fact and like yeah you know just sort of like you know being uh being an ear i guess some time ago she was like i went back and read some of the messages i sent you and i felt like i got really morbid and i was like oh boy <laughs> <laughs> um and i said no no you know you're just you were going through everything and you know i you can't say anything like in the moment like you can't like it's yeah. it's it's rude it's not right it's wrong i you couldn't i couldn't do it it was kind of humorous that she like acknowledged sort of like what was going on it was just sort of interesting but now it's like you don't get a message and it's like oh this is kind of weird it's it's like yeah. that there's that void now you know and i'm sure i'm you know and like i'm saying this as someone who like i never even met her i mean you got to meet her and john like you actually got to interact with them i never got to so it's like I've only known these people through a computer screen, basically, which is like it's kind of weird. It's like digital ghosts, you know what I mean? It doesn't make I know in a lot of ways, though, it doesn't make the connection any less real, in my opinion. Oh, I agree with yeah. you there. It's just so. different how we, like these things transpire now, and yeah, so especially because like, you've seen it beforehand too seen the right. whole evolution of it you know so yeah i completely agree all that put aside you know definitely r.i.p to john and rita yep i miss um, you but uh maybe we can i can <laughs> maybe i can elevate the mood a little bit by <laughs> with this next story because um <clears throat> i went to a uh, couple of shows over the weekend last shows of the year pretty good ones to go out on i think both at the same place pioneer works have you been there? I've not been there, but I have a poster from when Sleep played there on my wall right here. That all I look right, at so, all the time. So, <laughs> uh, uh, Sleep is one of two like do metal bands that have played, like, or just metal bands that have played there now. Because I don't know if you would classify the other one as it, but certainly like kind of metal adjacent. It's just kind of interesting to be like, oh, so like. You know, this is like pretty limited, like this kind of music being played at this place because it's kind of like an art gallery institution, you know, like just all manner of other kinds of musicians play there that are probably a lot quieter. So the first band, their artist I went to see was Lingua Ignata, which is the solo performer that does all the stuff with like Baroque industrial electronic music. She does like stage show with the lights and whatnot. And um I was one of a few people that 
like basically collapsed in there. <laughs> I uh, I saw your uh, your story about it. It was very very warm, and I got Hot. it. Was the heat that got to you? Yeah, I think. Well, I I think it was like kind of a. I got a little bit too high, and it was very very warm in there. And then she started playing, and I was just standing there, and I was like, "I'm getting hot." And then, okay, everything's starting to feel a little fuzzy, and I just said, like, to Sarah, I said, "I gotta go sit down." So I sat down against the wall, and then I was like, "Okay, okay, you know, this will probably pass." I'm just like getting a little bit too high. Then uh, I just just like, I was fucking boiling in there, and then someone tripped over me, so I stood up and I was like, "I we gotta go." And I like completely blacked out for like, no way. I don't know. It was probably, I had to probably walk like 30 feet and I got about 10 feet and I just, my vision went, just turned black. And I was like, Oh, and I did the thing where like, when you are kind of fucked up like that, but you're like aware of it when you grab a wall and you like, just don't let go of the wall because you know, the wall is not going to move. Yeah. And Sarah's like, dude, you got to chill. And I was like, okay, okay. And there was a bench there and I sat down and like started seeing, you know, got all like the the glittery eyes and everything. So it was like, uh, you know, it was a Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you had some lack of uh, oxygen to the old noggin there. Yeah, That's what happens was... when I cough. I get that when I cough really hard from bong. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've never, I've never had it black go black though, like a, um, uh, uh, a head brush. Yeah. They used to call that oh. a head brush back oh, in the night. Oh, it was weird, dude. It was mm-hmm. really weird. Like that, that's I what was, that was. Yeah, because I, yeah, I yeah. had like no, I had like no motor control, but like some, and like I just was like, "Am I tripping on people?" Like I couldn't tell. And then finally, mm. I came to, and there, I think I like bumped into a guy, and he, like, I heard him. I couldn't really talk, <laughs> but I heard him say, "Like, oh shit, is he okay?" And I, thank goodness, there was a just like a. Uh, like a long bench there and I plopped down and I guess I did like I was going like this for a second but then I like finally came to and like, yeah, yeah. got some water and stuff mm-hmm. um, but yeah the, but what what happened was so that happened and then there was just like 15 minutes of silence and I didn't know what was going on I assumed there was like maybe just like some quiet performance going on on the stage but apparently like another person had just straight up fainted, like fallen down in there. Like I did not like fully pass out, but I guess like Mm. I managed to get out enough. Uh, This was someone who like went down and they like stopped the show for like 15 minutes. So I have no idea if like the whole first act, like even got finished, like to be honest, because I was missing it. And then that happened. And second uh, there was like she did like two sets so then second set comes up and i was like okay i i actually had to go outside to like like yeah yeah yeah, to, yeah. get and, some air yeah you need freaking air man <laughs> yeah yeah like i went out just like in like no jacket i just like had to just like mm-hmm. go back inside and i was like okay i felt better i got through the whole rest of the second act it was fucking incredible Another, they had to stop the show again. There was another person that went down. Yeah, it was. Wow. I think it was like it was so hot in there for like, and then there were like the stage lights. So I think that was a part of it. And it was just like, holy shit, this is crazy. Wow. 
That was Friday. Now, uh, oh, and but let me let me just be clear. Also, like fantastic performance, regardless. Like no no criticisms in that regard. She mm. was amazing. Loved it. Went back Saturday night to see Sun. Same place. So I wore significantly more comfortable clothing that I could take <laughs> off in case that did happen. When we got there this time, they had like all the doors open. Oh, up for air. Yeah, or at at least for a while they had like all the doors open um i think they might have closed the doors in the main area the main room because there's like a big courtyard area too that you can go outside which that was shut down on friday because it was raining but it was open last night they had fire pits you know there were a lot of people hanging outside it wasn't really that bad oh Um, that's cool we stayed kind of in the back because we've seen sun a bunch of times at this point did not faint this time i don't think anybody fainted this time you know but who knows maybe they did and uh, you know this is great. You know if it, you know if you're in if you're into Sun, I get it. If you're uh, obviously, I understand if you're not, but I'm definitely a fan. Uh, the band that opened up before, well, there were two artists. I forget the person. I don't know. It was something like a woman like Layla Bodrill or something like that. I think she played the cello, and then uh, High Command, which is like a thrash band from Worcester, Massachusetts. That's on Southern Lord. Open for them. Yeah, kind of weird, you know. Where I was like, yeah. well, the cello person like makes more sense but yeah it didn't sound super that. interesting whereas like high command didn't really make any sense but i was like I, i've seen them before and i think they're kind of fun so i was like all right you know so it's just kind of a, an odd bill all around but you mm-hmm. know and then they came out and it was just the two of them it was just greg and steve and not the full band yeah i saw the amps pictures of the amps everybody's posting yeah yeah i like went up to take a quick picture with them it was like standing like you know, we were taking pictures and, and whatnot, like a bunch of other people were. And I just took one where I was like facing, you know, like just looking, you know, straight on with them in the background. But then I turned around and did one with my hands up, like as they do. And like this fucking lady next to me just goes like, excuse me, I'd like to take one without your hands. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't think the amps are going to get up and fucking grow legs and run away. Yeah, right. I was like, God, yeah. we just like relax. Like, no, they can't. Never. Very, just they, very. They strange. want lots of. They want lots of policing and social situations. I don't, I don't get that, it. Yeah, I, I was just it. like, "What the fuck is this?" I'm like, yeah. "We just watched two guys go like hit guitars very slowly for an hour and a half. Like it's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> let's not be that serious right now." I always think of that Hard Times article where it's like you know like amps left on accidentally record sun album and i'm like i have to imagine those guys think that shit's funny they seem self-aware <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but anyway great show cool cool uh couples of uh, concerts to rain in the end of the year and obviously it, with it being the end of the year i uh, figured we'd just quickly talk about some of our favorite stoner doom sludge and kind of adjacent albums that came out this year and uh, not really go into them in any detail. Just like these were the ones that I, you and myself thought were like, you know, these were just our favorites of the year. If oh. we didn't include yours, talk about it on your own podcast. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, I or let us, or just let us know what it was. And, and if I didn't listen to it, I'll check it out. So do you likewise, wanna... you can go, you could, you could let me know too. And I'll check it out. Yeah. 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 Um, do you want to go first? Uh, I don't know how many you have. I only have like three. Oh, okay. I've got like 16. <laughs> yeah, I see that. <laughs> which, I'll, which I'll run through quick. 
So um, I'll just let you go first because you got. All right. Well, I got. I was gonna say um, I was recently really blown away by the new Dead Meadow. It just came out. So is Steve I Albini. It. I love it. It's did awesome. You, did you see no, the what? Steve Albini no, what uh, the... quote about it? No. This is really funny. Hold on. Steve Albini said or tweeted. Dead Meadow have laid down God's own riffs over the years, but the guitar solo that blankets on the last four minutes of Bina from the new piece is a psychedelic chemical so pure I would drop it into my eyes from a pipette and stare at the stars. Yes, because it is. It's so awesome. That song is really good. The whole I just listened to the whole album. I've never not. I've never broken it up yet. I just keep listening to it over like the whole album. I'm assuming that's that last song. That's like really fucking awesome i believe I think it's like so. one of the last songs on it what else oh um did absent and body come out this year it did much like way earlier in the year well i'm gonna count that too because that shit was badass it was good uh i have some obviously i have some problems with somebody in that band <laughs> i'm not even gonna go i'm not even gonna fucking go there any of that oh we don't I'm, have to i'm just we don't gonna have say to. yeah that um that was some fucking good shit and there was a, uh, I don't know what else. That might even have been just it. I haven't really been listening to a whole lot of music because um, I've been busy with the, everything else. <laughs> oh, Hot Lava Man, right? That oh, came yeah, out this dude, year. I, was, I, I did spin the shit out of that song. Yeah. Yeah, that. Um, like Looking over at my records. I'm sure there was some more that I fucking missed. All right, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe one yeah. of them on here. Oh, I, I know one that you're forgetting. Uh, oh, I sure. see it. I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. So yep. I'll run through yep. mine um, quickly. Uh, Conan, Evidence of Immortality. I, this German band, instrumental, Godzilla in the Kitchen, like, obviously. Um, so can I talk about that real quick? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Your love of that makes me want to check it out. I tell you, and I listened to a little bit of it, but I didn't get to like do a deep dive into it. But obviously, you really like it, and you're uh, really liking it makes me want to go check it out. Oh, it's like it. I I like posted on Instagram, like tagged them. I'm like I'm I feel attacked like right now. Like that's how I described <laughs> it. I was like I feel attacked. This is very much like a band made for me. So mm-hmm. might abyss, really fucking cool. Definitely. Uh, felt like a, a fresher take on doom and shit uh mournful congregation the exuvier of gods part one fey tooth remnants of the vessel it's a newer band i believe from la definitely i think from california for certain uh astrosaur portals another instrumental one malignant aura death doom abysmal misfortune is draped upon me uh earthless Night Parade of War. I know, it's fucking ridiculous titles, dude. Sorry, Don't you lo- I'm sorry. Oh, I do love it. I love it. Uh, Earthless, Night Parade of 100 Demons, White Hills, Revenge of Heads on Fire, Convent, Call Down the Sun. That's them chicks, right? Convent? Yeah. Yeah. That's um, sweet. Yeah, they're fucking heavy as hell, dude. Um, yeah, I heard that. But they're badass. Val and Nismore, Myopia. Shout outs to our uh, mutual friend Terry from Come to Grief because when the world dies is fucking incredible. That, that was the other one. That was the other one. That was big spins. Oh, That's yeah. Good stuff. Oh, yeah. Fohammer, Monumentum, the Otolith, or the Otolith. I think it's the Otolith. 
I don't know. Go listen to the episode. That that was a great episode. I love doing that with uh, Andy. But the Otolith full folium limina. I haven't heard um, that yet. I gotta listen oh, to that. Oh, you gotta listen. I to love Sabrosa. I I love Sabrosa. Oh yeah, you gotta listen to it. It's most yeah, of Sabrosa. Okay. <laughs> oh sweet. Dreadnought, the Endless, and uh, Zompantli. I'm gonna try this without butchering it. Tlazkalitzi, I think. And if that's not correct, I apologize. But that's some more Death Doom that fucking rocks. And uh, they're not really Doom, but like they seem, they kind of got lumped in there for some fucking reason. But um, the Oceans of Slumber album, Starlight and Ash, is fucking incredible. That band rocks. Like, what is it? Uh, I like the name. Uh, it's that, it reminds me of Gates of Slumber. They're that band that's fronted by Cami Gilbert Beverly. She's a black woman. She's got like this incredible voice. And it's like very oh. like melodic. I don't even know what to call it. Like sort of like wide scale rock, you know, but there's like a lot of like pretty moments and uh, kind of gothy in some ways, you know, a lot of soul. Really? It's just really fucking good. Just like really good songwriting. Huh. Whatever they do, they do it correctly. They fucking rock. All right. By the time this episode comes out, all my top 50 of the year will be out. And there's a, obviously there's a bunch more albums on there. So you'll be, you'll see all these and more uh, as I post them on Instagram and whatnot. So, Sweet. but yeah, I think now it's time to get into the main part of this as we delve into the discography of Caius. And uh, I want to start this off by recalling the guy who approached me at Desert Fest New York and said, completely straight-faced, have you ever heard of this band, Caius? Yes, I have, motherfucker. I have heard of this band, Caius. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, do I look that young? <laughs> no, I... I... I don't know, man. Some people, you never know where their heads are at. <laughs> you know? That's that true. is some funny shit, though. That is some fucking funny shit. <laughs> man, they're the greatest band ever. They're so good. The The first time I heard them, my friend Kyle played them for me. And I was like, at first, honestly, I didn't even, it was too, I couldn't even get into it. Because at the time, I was listening to, like, other different stuff. and. I knew it was good, but I didn't like fall head over heels for it. But it wasn't until I sat down with another friend of mine and we had a real nice session and we listened to Sky Valley. And that's when I like understood them. I, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I was like, stop, hold the presses. <laughs> this band is fucking awesome. And keep in mind though, this was um, 2000 and one maybe 2000 or maybe even 90 99 2000 right in that area so like it was like right in the time where nobody knew who the hell they were like they had they had broken up you know what i mean and nobody like everybody was like nobody nobody knew who they were well some people knew who they were well yeah some people but at at the time there's no internet so right literally to me nobody knew except for me and Kyle <laughs> you know what i mean so yeah that that was how I got into them. Eventually got to see Caius Lives, which was sick. Oh, um, we'll have to talk about that. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. 
I got into them in college because they were, it was when I decided that I wanted to explore heavy metal more and be like, what are really all these genres about? And uh, obviously stoner rock and desert rock. I mean, I guess I really didn't delve into like the, like the desert scene specifically that much back then, just because, you know, I was trying to cover a lot of ground. I started checking out stuff like, you know, from like whatever, we'll just call it stoner rock for right now. Like that area, Blues for the Red Sun. Like that was a formative album for me, even more so than Sky Valley, because it was the first Caius (laughs) album I listened to. And this definitely helped me help develop my appreciation for the heavy, chonky riff. Like this, Sleeps Holy Mountain, Fu Manchu, No One Rides for Free. Probably those three were the ones that like kind of grabbed me the most. You know, I liked that it was heavy, but it had clean vocals because I mm-hmm. hadn't matured enough to appreciate a lot of death and black metal vocals just yet. That's why like it they appealed to me because I was like, oh, this is fucking heavy, but it's not like completely uh it's not like to me what at the time I was like, this is unlistenable, you know. But now mm-hmm. Obviously, I feel a lot differently about that. So, so that's how I got into them, and that album stuck with me for a long time. And then, you know, inevitably, you and eventually you spend more time with the band and explore the discography deeper. And it's been a while since I've like listened to it, you know, front to back. And there's not that much, so it's like easy ground to cover, generally speaking. So it was it was a uh, it was an interesting day of listening to all this. But I figured, you know, for anybody that doesn't have any, which would be shocking, anybody who doesn't know, like, the backstory of the band, Caius was an American rock band from the Palm Desert, California, in 1987, and broke up in 1995. People in the band have gone on to be in a lot of other stuff, like Queens of the Stone Age, obviously, Fu Manchu, the Dwarves, Eagles of Death Metal, Mono Generator, Hermano, Unita, Slowburn and them Crooked Vultures. They formed jamming under the name Katzenjammer, which would become a song. Uh, that's a German slang word for hangover, archaic, literally meaning moaning of a cat, uh, before they eventually decided upon Sons of Caius. It was Brett Bjork who selected the name from an undead monster found in Dungeons & Dragons, and then in 1989, they recorded their eponymous debut EP, Sons of Caius, which was their only release to feature Chris Cockrell on bass. And then after releasing the EP in 1990, the band recruited Nick Oliveri, who had previously played second guitar in Cats and Jammer, uh, to replace Cockrell on bass, and they shortened their name to Caius. So how do you say Caius? Because <laughs> uh, I looked it up, and apparently it is, I say it like, Caius. I say Caius. I had I used to have a dog, and his name was Caius. So that was his name. That's how I said it, Caius. When I first met you, you pronounced it in some hilarious fashion. You were like, I believe you might even <laughs> you might even pronounced it Caius. Caius. <laughs> Caius. I feel like um, I just sort of condense it. It's like Caius, but it's like Caius. Mm-hmm. Caius. Yeah. Say Caius. It's one of those weird words that sounds kind of good if you drag it out a little bit, but also it's fine if you're like, Caius. Like, everyone knows what you're saying. Mm -hmm. 
So the initial lineup was John Garcia, Josh Hame, and then, well, I guess like the first like real version of the band was like known as John Garcia, Josh Hame, Nick Oliveri, and Brant Bjork. And they built up a local following in the Palm Desert. They performed at parties in and around the isolated towns of Southern California in the desert. Uh, these impromptu and predominantly outdoor shows referred to locally as generator parties consisted of small crowds of people drinking beer and using gasoline power generators to power all the uh, instruments and equipment and whatnot. And that's just become kind of like a part of like the, like uh, it, it's almost, it's like, I don't know how to, it's like part of the the mythos of the, the band and this mm -hmm. music. It's like, it's a very like specific thing that happened in a, in a specific part of the country. I'm sure you, pe other people have done it elsewhere, but like it just became like the thing, you know, you're dragging mm -hmm. that fucking shit out in the middle of the desert. No one going to tell you, you can, you're going to, you need to stop. There's no, you know, sound ordinances out there in the middle of fucking nowhere. I imagine it had to have been a pretty unique experience. I agree. One of the early, speaking of the mythos, one of the early things I used to hear about, about them was that he used to use, uh, bass bass amps as guitar amps that's correct you know that um, yeah the... and that that used that was one of the i'm not gonna lie that was one of the things that was like ooh, this is pretty bad so check this band out <laughs> yeah yeah so uh it says that actually says right here how uh Hame gained a reputation for his unique down-tuned psychedelic style of guitar playing and plugging electric guitars through bass amplifiers to make that bass heavy sound um, they initially signed with the indie label Dolly, uh, who released the debut album Wretch in September of 91. Several songs on that EP were re-recorded versions of what appeared on the Sons of Caius EP. We'll get, we'll get to those in, in, in a bit. It was kind of a slow seller, but the band was getting reputation as being uh, for their live performances. In 1992, uh, the band, along with new producer Chris Goss, uh, began working on the next album, Blues for the Red Sun. He understood the band a lot more, so he wanted to capture the live sound in the studio. That was released in June, was big success. It you know, kind of like helped pioneer stoner rock. And by the end of 93, they were invited to open nine dates for Metallica touring Australia, which is like kind of crazy. I think I read something that like after like the first show, they were only allowed to use like one amp or something <laughs> or like because they were just so fucking loud <laughs> I, i'm sure we'll come around to it nickel very eventually left the band following uh completion of that record and uh scott reader who had been approached about joining the band earlier when he was still with the obsessed joined on for the release party of that record and then they wound up signing with electra after Dali hit some financial problems and got bought out. And then in 94, they released self-titled, or as we know it, Welcome to Sky Valley. Originally intended to be titled Pools of Mercury. Don't think the album would have hit as hard uh, with that <laughs> name. There's something about Welcome to Sky Valley that just works very well. It was Chris Goss again, critical acclaim. We'll get into it, but I mean, I fucking love that record you start to see kind of some of the inner turmoil starting to bubble up around this time. Brant Bjork wound up leaving 
after recording the album because he did not like to tour. And I guess the band relationships were starting to deteriorate the more time they were like on the road together. Uh, he was replaced by Alfredo Hernandez, who had previously played with Scott Reeder in the band Across the River. And he was also in Yawning Man. Uh, in July 95, they released the last album and The Circus Leaves Town, which was not as successful as Sky Valley. And then they broke up in 95. There have been numerous rumors about a Caius reunion, but none have ever come together with one exception that was quickly buried. Uh, that was back in 2010. I remember when this happened. Um, I'm kind of bummed I didn't go see it. Uh, in November 2010, Gar John Garcia, Nick Oliveri, and Brant Bjork announced to tour under the moniker Caius Lives with uh, guitarist Bruno Fevri. In reference to the new band name, Garcia had stated that there was never going to be a Caius without Josh Hame, and that hopefully in the future, they would be able to get together and do something. Uh, they toured all over the world, and they said they were going to record a new album. Then Josh Hame after persuading Scott Reeder somehow to join with him, filed a lawsuit against John Garcia and Brant Bjork, alleging trademark infringement and consumer fraud over the use of the Caius name, despite the fact that Brant Bjork had originally created the name, which actually the people who created Dungeons and Dragons created the name, but I'm sure they were just like, whatever, the, the, this band's take kind of taking care of it on their own. We don't need to get involved. Oliveri left Caius after that, as I guess it came out that Garcia and Bjork were trying to take control of the Caius trademark. This is all from Wikipedia, by the way. So, you know, I don't know if any of that has been updated or like disputed or whatever, but I'm just going by what's on there. In August of 2012, the courts ruled that Garcia and Bjork could not release any recordings, studio or live, under the Caius Lives moniker. They were allowed to continue using the moniker for live shows as long as it had Lives you know, right next to it. And a judge stated that they may face issues in the future and that it may be in the defendant's best interest to begin rebranding under a new name, which they eventually changed to Vistachino, which I'm sorry, but that is a, a fucking weak name. <laughs> it just feels so deflated from what came before, you know, and it, it hasn't shown up in a while, right? Uh, they put out that one album. No, it's uh, which is I don't think I've ever listened to that. It's underrated. I'll tell you that much. It's pretty dang good. Better than anything Oliveri's put out, basically ever since Caius, in my opinion. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like it. I don't know. I mean, it's obviously not Caius, but it's a cool record in itself, in my opinion. And then just a couple of years ago, in 2020, Hame stated that he was open to the possibility of participating in a Caius reunion, saying, "quote." There have been times I thought, Caius, parentheses, cannot end that way. And the only real way to end it correctly now would be to play. And because they sort of perverted the punctuation and they knocked the wing off this beautiful dragon that's an ice sculpture, and the only way to put the motherfucking wing back on would be to play again. Last year, Bjork stated that he had reached out to Hame in regards to his comments, but the probability of the reunion has been put into question due to a lack of communication from Hame. And, uh, you know, I would also wager that perhaps due to his never-ending personal issues could have played a part there. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe his very toxic split from Brody Dahl. That couldn't possibly have anything to do with it either. So, I don't know. I think 
kind of unfortunately, like one thing I can't separate from Caius as much as I love the music is just like the pettiness that is in, uh, involved with this band. Like, do you know, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. Maybe yeah, you disagree. That, all that shit came out. All that's, that's all newer shit to me. You know what I mean? Like I loved the band for years when they were just a broken up band that didn't even play that. They were like, nobody, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So all that shit's fairly new to me. Uh, do I care? Not really. Uh, I, I fucking love the band. I love guys. I don't care. <laughs> oh no no no! I, I know. I, that's um, not what I mean. If I'm you're asking saying... me where I stand with all this shit, no no no, it's no definitely I'm not, not even... with Josh Home. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> well, the thing I was just what what I was the point I was trying to articulate is that, uh, and I say this kind of about just music in general that you know bands and music are so fantastic and great, but as soon as like a legal slash mm-hmm. kind of political aspect. And I don't mean political in the sense of like government politics. I'm talking about like the politics of, you know, being in a band, being a band of people. Once all that starts to, to pop up, I think it really kind of like deflates some aspects of, of the band, you know? I agree. Guns N' Roses, Pink Floyd. I'm sure there's more that I'm not thinking of. And I think Talking that that- yeah, pumpkin heads. Yeah, the talking heads. The, talking heads. <laughs> the pumpkin heads. <laughs> I thought you that said movie with Lance Smash- Henriksen. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know why, but I got that conflated with the smashing pumpkins. Oh, that's all right. But are didn't they do a thing too? Didn't I think they break so. up over yeah, some fucking so. stupid shit too. Yeah. Well, Billy Corgan's a fucking maniac. So he is. <laughs> that's, that's funny to me. To honestly. That's funny to me uh, to have watched that descent into uh, whatever the hell he is now. That's dude, I'm laughing. I just see this fucking such a fucking weirdo. See this ass eating chips on stage during concerts, chips and dip, like but, yeah, the talking during heads, the drum yeah. during the drum solo. Anyway, sorry, he got hungry. Yeah, I guess he ran out of pumpkins. He smashed all of them. <laughs> fucking pumpkin head. But I can't believe I fucking said that. Uh, but you you know what I mean. Like, just yes, this. I do. Now, like, in, you know, in, in our day and age, you just, you you know, somebody would, like, post something about Caius on Facebook. A million gajillion comments. People fucking taking sides and everything. Mm-hmm. And I just think it sucks. It just sort of, like, it, it kind of just, like, pulls something out of it. And then it's, like, it just becomes this, like, this thing that, like, I don't think there ever is going to be a Caius reunion. You know what I mean? Like, and if there was, mm-hmm. I feel like people would, I don't know. It might not work. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But I saw yeah. Caius lives and they were good. I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, I read a, a lot. I think a lot of people went and saw them. I didn't, but it was fucking sick. The, the venue it was that too. Is that a historic venue that's not there anymore in Philly called the Trocadero mm. uh, that I've been to a bunch of times and it's fucking sick. Yeah, I think John mentioned that place. Yeah, that place is awesome. Who played with that? Uh, there was the sword opened up. It's pretty and, sick. And uh, and it was right when they were early, earlier too. So, you know, they was only had Monstro? like maybe three, that band three albums. Did Monstro open up? No, there was another band that was, it was dudes from the North Carolina sludge scene. 
it was one of their bands that I can't remember. I might have been the dudes from, uh, shit. What is that band? It wasn't. Uh, <laughs> it was dudes. <laughs> I'm telling. It was the dudes from. I believe it was the dudes from the North Carolina sludge bands that they have there that I can't remember the name of it. Like, said beaten back to pure. Is it that band or is that band from New Orleans? I'm trying to see if. It was. I'm trying to see was, who toured with them. I remember it was guys from another band, though. It was them first, it, and then it was. The it story. was. It was Monstro. Monstro. What the hell the is the name that? of the band? Okay. Yeah, I remember this band. I, I, I remember. It was like, dudes, and they played. Those dudes played. Where are they from? North Carolina, right? Uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. All right, I was close. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was. It was um, a dude named Bevan Davies, who drummed for Danzig. Uh, Juan Montoya, who was in Torch. Torch, okay. Uh, Charlie Suarez from Sunday Driver. And Kyle Sanders, who's Troy Sanders from Mastodon, his brother. Aha, uh-huh. okay. I knew it was somebody from another band or something like that. <laughs> Do I remember them? Absolutely not. I don't remember anything. They haven't done anything since 2011. Debut was produced by William Duvall from Alice in Chains, and then they opened for Clutch in 2012. Oh, really? oh the band has been oh. inactive since 2013. Oh, Kyle Sanders joined Hell Yeah. Oh. That's a I band see. I've never listened to. Yeah, me neither. There. Oh, oh, yeah, Vinnie Paul was in this. Yeah, this is from Pantera. Looking forward to saving a lot of money by not seeing Metallica and Pantera. Yo. I'm sorry if y'all go and see that. If whoever's going to see that, have fun. All right, I'll, I'll not be there. <laughs> Saving money. Yep. Oh, so, goodness. well, that's cool. I'm I'm kind of jealous that you went. I I wish I had gone to see that movie. Getting to I see Whitewater live. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to pick it. I saw Whitewater um, live. Yeah, you did too. I I cool. saw it. Live. Wasn't it? Wasn't it really cool? <laughs> Wasn't it the best? It's like one of my favorite songs of all time, like probably top five. Well, I think we should get into those songs now. We'll run through the albums and kind of just talk about them. So, sure. um, so I started out with Wretch, which came out September 23rd, 1991. You got John Garcia on vocals, Josh Homme on guitar, Brant Bjork on drums, and Nick Alvary on bass, except for Black Widow and Deadly Kiss, um, because uh, those, those songs are from the Sons of Caius EP. So I'm actually not sure that I've ever listened to this record. And if I did, it has been a number of years since I have. And uh, my like immediate takeaway from this was that it was way more punk. Like it felt like it had way more of a punk sound to me. Obviously has the fuzz and some of the sludge that would go on to help define Caius's sound. But I felt like the vibe was very punk and the way that the band set up vocalist, guitarist, bassist, drummer, I think kind of helps. Like that's a very like classic punk lineup. And, you know, I obviously there's tons of metal bands with the same formation, but like the punk take on it has its own character. You know what I mean? Like black flag Mm -hmm. does not have the same vibe as black Sabbath. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I do. But it was like when, when son of a bitch kicks in, 
that's when you hear like the chugginess of Savage. Yeah, that's show a good. That's a good stuff. <laughs> there's and, a bunch of bangers on that song. Actually, there's like three or four really fucking good songs uh, on that record. I, I I wrote it off earlier when I was thinking about it, but it's uh, yeah, there, there's some good ones on there. Yeah, and like a real quick thing about the about the Sabbath connection is that you know people compared them to Sabbath. It became kind of common. But Josh Hame claimed to have little knowledge of the band at the time, like when uh, Blues for the Red, this was when Blues for the Red Sun came out. But Brant Bjork said that he and Oliveri were very influenced by the British group. And again, I have to think that Hame has this like weird hang up about this, like as an artist, because he's like, he always deflects away from this. You know, you don't want to call yourself Stoner Rock Fine, I, whatever. But, like, I just feel like the way that he, like, dismisses Sabbath and helping and dismissing that, like, he kind of helped create a sound, like, has always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So I feel like he is, like, a guy that wound up getting a bunch of fans that he never wanted. Like, he want like, I don't, you know what I mean? Does that make sense mm-hmm. to you? Um, yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> it does. Like I, I feel like he, was... he, I feel like he is frustrated that this band is part of his like legacy, which is like, crazy because so it's the weird. best part of it. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> Still to this day, the best part of it. I don't, I don't get it, man. I don't know. I, I, I understand, but I, um, that's a, that's a great uh, observation. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I can't listen to anything that he's done that's not Caius. You know that. I don't listen to. Queens of the Stone Age. I don't listen to them. Crooked Vultures, which I, in on paper, looks amazing, right? Them How amazing Vultures does that look? That's a good right? record. I I just can't. I don't know. I never. Uh, I don't know. And it's, I mean, uh, I, I a lot of it has to do with him. Honestly, too. A lot of it. I has definitely. To do with him. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Uh, no, I, just I the way it. he, like, you know what I mean? The that's the way he's grown into, uh, his, you know, everything that he does nowadays. I just don't. I don't know. I'd well, much rather no, be with John Garcia. Like, you know? Queens of the Stone Age now, I'm just like, no thanks. Like that the last album I did not like. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? I've seen them twice, both times not good performances. Mm. Um one of, which was at, one of which was at the garden, which was like, yikes, you gonna fuck that up. But the best time I did see him was when he was the supporting act, was when he was in the supporting band for Iggy Pop. Not that I really like had good oh, seats, okay. but that was the best time that I saw him live. And I was a Queens of the Stone Age fan, but like way before I became a Caius fan, because mm. I was pretty into them in like high school and stuff. Um, or at least they, because they, they had like airplay on like MTV and VH1 still at that time. Like they were kind of more of a mainstream popular band. Yeah. It just that, happened to be had... like a bit heavier than your average fare. And kind of felt like they were doing something interesting and neat. But I, I definitely was and still am a fan of a number of those Queens of the Stone Age records, but I have largely lost interest in whatever really he's doing now, generally. And, uh, you know, it doesn't it doesn't help that he just seems to be a very, like, <laughs> unpleasant human being. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I I don't know. There's no reason why you got to kick people in the face and shit. I don't get it, man. <laughs> it's not, uh, yeah, I, 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 
Ugh, not good. So, uh, but anyway, I mean, that's just kind of how I feel about, about the, like sort of the, the, you know, being a queen of the stone age or, you know, having, in, you know, having listened to their music for a long time and everything like that and why he's got the weird hangups about this band. So, but anyway, we'll go back to talking about the band, the way that I felt about son of a bitch, the song was like, Oh, Garcia is doing like, his best dancing here and honestly i think it would be fucking sick to see garcia do a set of misfits or danzig covers or honestly just be the lead singer of danzig now <laughs> that would be yo that'd be pretty fucking, sick <laughs> glenn can't fucking sing for shit unless you're like you know uh, yeah. into hearing wheeze on on fucking uh stage yeah it kind of had like a little bit of a danzig vibe but like better i guess you know, I'm that, not, it's I'm funny. Similar. That's not what that, I mean. It's not that I never, uh, I don't, I don't agree with you, but it's, I've never thought of it like that before from that. Angle, you know? um, I think, it, I think I kept like, I, I think I made some Pantera ca- ca- uh, comparisons too. And I think it's simply because there's like some groove in it, you know, okay. like just hearing that groove, there was always a little bit of that kind of in the Danzig stuff and Pantera. So that's why I think I hear that. And I, I think of those because I just do so but black widow that song is fucking incredible it's so heavy black widow which one is that so black widow and deadly kiss are the two that were originally on the sun's ep and that had that have chris cockrell on bass and i think like these two songs are like very sabbath very metal so i think that's why i like them a lot oh okay um, yeah, I, I know there's like Son of a Bitch is kick ass, and there's a The Law. The Law is an awesome song. It, and there's, a, I really like the last song on it, the instrumental. I think it grooves out like uh, it reminds me of Caius. It really makes me like the later Caius. You know what I mean? It's more. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's a hearkening, I think, of where they were going. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, you you bring up The Law. Like, I I do think that this album could have wrapped up at I'm not, and then we get like the two Brant Bjork tracks. So like it's kind of funny to think that like without the Sons of Caius material, this album would have been beginning of what's about to happen, Highway 74, Son of a Bitch, The Law, I'm Not, Big Bikes, and Stage Three. So like for me. I thought Big Bikes and Stage 3 were kind of the weak links here, but I did think Stage 3 benefited from being like a pretty cool, mostly instrumental track that I still think it could have been trimmed. I didn't really like Big Bikes that much. <laughs> it's kind of a goofy um, song. Yeah, it's goofy, right? It's But then Caius does have that goofy, some of the, you know what I mean? Like the thong song. Yeah, know? but somehow Spoken that goofy. one worked But it better. also rocks too, but it also rocks too, you know? Yeah. So even One Inch Man, you know? kind of goofy too but it's a fucking awesome song so yeah I, I feel you so i think like honestly i think like sons of kaya's could have been the album whereas i think wretch could have been could have benefited from being an ep but like you know that's history at this point so a little rough around the edges in terms of them finding their sound but like still like a solid debut probably should have got some more eyes and it did but like it's fine everything worked out that did not stop me from seeking out the Sons of Kaya's EP on YouTube, though, to see what the differences were like. Uh, this was actually released April 19th, 1990. 
the recording's a little bit cr uh, crustier. Like, for example, I like the recordings of Isolation, Desolation, and Love is Passed Me By better on this. They don't sound like that different, but there's just, you know, there's something about them. Like, they're a little bit unique. Um, and I, I like that, you know, this and Wretch would kind of start the chapter on Desert Desert Rock. I think Cats and Jammer on this, on that version, features a woman saying, oh, Caius, that is not on the Wretch version. <laughs> and then there's three songs on it that are exclusive to it, which are Window of Souls, which kind of feels very doomy in some ways, uh, but then goes <laughs> into that kind of Danzig Pantera groove. And then the song King, which kind of just felt like the same song as Window of Souls to me. So I think like, what I can take away from Wretch and the Suns EP also is that, you know, they have some great songs, but they didn't really know what to do with some of the riffs laying around. So we got like some extra stuff here and there. And then you get this weird song too called Happy Birthday. But I kind of like this one because it was, it stood apart from the other two. And it has this like weird cavernous background vocal track that like adds something a little bit to it. One last thing I'll say about it is that like, it seems like they wanted to write lyrics that were not steeped too hard in a theme or a subject. So they're like kind of abstractly poetic. Like I'm not yeah. saying all of them are great, but I do think like lyrically it fits the music very well. Mm -hmm. Like I don't really know what a hundred degrees uh, is about. But... I don't know what any of those songs are about. And not one <laughs> single, any of them. I do not care. Cause it, but it's just so awesome. You know? Like the, the lyrics yeah. don't even make fucking sense. <laughs> Honestly, they don't even make sense. And it's not even like they don't make sense in like a fucking ohm, like Alice's Narrows kind of way where you're like, oh, that's kind of weird and cryptic. No, it just doesn't make fucking sense at all. But it's great because yeah. he knows where to put the hook. Yes. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? He knows where to put that hook in that in that line to make it sound fucking great. I don't know. I'm not really, you know, a singer, so I can't. I don't I know, think there might be some technical like, term for it, but I don't fucking know. But I think also Garcia just has like some personality to his voice, or mm -hmm. he has a specific personality to his voice that like part of it is just it's not just him singing, it's also him like saying weird and things and like making strange noises, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of like and like <clears throat> and like there's like recorded like coughing yeah. and spitting and shit. Yeah, a lot of yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that brings us to Blues for the Red Sun. Yeah. Same lineup. And uh, this is when Chris Goss gets involved, who would become a frequent Hame collaborator. And he's got his own desert rock outfit, the Masters of Reality. This got good reviews, better reviews than Wretch. Uh, did not sell very well. And it was the last one to feature Oliveri on it who would be replaced by Scott Reeder shortly after recording was completed. In support of the album, Caius went on tour with such groups as Faith No More, White Zombie, and, lo and behold, Danzig. <laughs> In early 93, the band was chosen by Metallica to be an opening act for nine shows in Australia, and after their first show, the group was only allowed to use half the PA system for the other eight concerts. <laughs> A number of songs on the album also credit John Garcia or credit lyrics to John Garcia, but have no discernible lyrics or even vocals. 
So it's possible that the only word written by Garcia is the uttered yeah at the very end of the album. And kind of interesting, like that they just decided, oh, it doesn't really matter who wrote the lyrics. I agree. <laughs> Great title for this album. Love it. And then what cracks me up about it is this album pulls such a good one-two punch. Like, Thumb is kind of a straightforward opener, which makes you go like, okay, this isn't bad, but like, I'm waiting for it. And then Green Machine just punches you in the dick. Like, mm. I, I don't think I can say anything else about that track. Yeah, I get, you know where I get punched on Blues to the Red Sun all the time? You know where I get punched? Where? Alan's Wrench. That's an odd song. Alan's Wrench. Every time, I'm always tying flies, right? And I'll just be grooving out, and then all of a sudden, fucking... I'll just be like jamming the fuck out at the place, you know? And it's always Alan Wrench, whenever Alan Wrench comes up. How many fucking Alan Wrench or Alan Keys do you think you have laying around? I have two pa- two packs of 12 because I have metric and this, the fucking standard. So I know I, I have at least 24 of them. <laughs> we have so I have many. Right, look, I literally have like... one. Right, like, where is it? I have one right here in my hand. <laughs> you get so many right. of them when you put yeah. furniture and like shelves together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one's for my my fly tying vice. It has a little Allen key. Bunch of instrumentals on here: Molten Universe, Apothecary's Weight, Caterpillar March, Eight Hundred, Capsized. Fifty Million Years was at one time considered the quintessential stoner rock song. There was like I'm, a time where I'm sure that these instrumentals have all been essentially covered by people and just like, oh, oh, just ripped. You mean our, just ripped? Our, like, yeah, <laughs> I was trying to yeah. be nice. About it. <laughs> yeah, okay. I remember specifically somebody telling me at one time back, you know, back then they were like, "This is the fucking stone rock jam." Like, okay, dude. <laughs> I think Garcia's got his vocals kind of way more focused into his distinctive wailing like croon that he's known for with just that little bit of guttural to it to give it some texture. Mm-hmm. It's got kind of a Kurt Cobain quality to it now without sounding anything like Kurt Cobain. I think he sounds like a girl. <laughs> you always say that. He does. But like, I'm not saying it in a bad way. You know what I mean? I don't mean it as no, a thing. It just sounds like he's got a very feminine kind of voice to it. I don't know. <laughs> it's like if you didn't tell me like it that was nah, i'd probably still know it was a guy but there's definitely parts of it where it's like he's hitting notes that i don't think i get ever not to even say that that's anything but. favorite tracks for me uh obviously green machine but also 50 million year trip apothecary's weight capsize mondo generator yeah <laughs> yeah how does he he's like yeah no he goes that's not well, at the end, the one on the album, he goes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how it ends. Uh, it's like the, the fucking uh, stoner rock version of Scorn, the Napalm mm-hmm. Death song or whatever that is. Is, is it? Oh, yeah. That little it's not Scorn. It's, uh, it's like you, you suffer. suffer. It's you suffer. Yeah, you suffer. <laughs> <laughs> Sky Valley has a little goofy song at the end, too. You know, that uh, I guess they were kind of into that, you know, the mm-hmm. last part of that getting a laugh at the end of the album which is good you know i wish more people did that it's hard to do these days yeah it is somebody's just Um, gonna get offended (laughs) 
it's well I, I think just like technologically i think that that was a thing that was sort of lost with like cds and stuff you know what i mean mm -hmm. like it's kind of a physical media like I'm, I'm not saying like you can't do it but like i feel like most people are like you know if you if you put out it's like oh last song is 12 minutes long and then it stops at, after like five minutes and you're just like oh, I haven't like heard anything for like three minutes. You're probably just going to be like, okay, new song. Like, I think it kind of, I think it's sort of lost. It's sort of a lost mm. thing. You know, that's something that I, I think I've talked about before on the podcast. Like I kind of miss that about that from like the 2000s and, and whatnot. People doing the the fun little th tricks and things with physical media. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but overall fucking great record. Rightfully put them on the map. Uh, yeah, it's a fucking banger. That was the first one that I heard. Blue's the Red Sun. I remember Thumb was the first, obviously, the first song I heard because the first song on the album. But, uh, yeah, I, I remember hearing it and liking it, but not, like, loving it. But it's only because I didn't understand it yet. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't really get how good it was. John Garcia's Yeah versus James Hetfield's Yeah. Who wins in a fight? John Garcia's All Day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I've asked that before. I don't know. We could throw in Trent Reznor for kicks. I think he'd win. Like if, if, if it was like an actual fight between the three of them, I think he'd win. <laughs> you know who does the most Diaz though ever? Yeah. Who's that? James Hetfield, right? No. Oh, um, the wrestler. There's like. Oh, good. No, I was thinking about uh, what's his name? Uh, Rob Zombie. Oh, he does a lot of yes too. Does a lot of yes. Like I remember, there's like. One song, I can't remember which song it is. I remember it's one that got radio play, but I remember like listening to it and being like, he says fucking yeah, like after every fucking song. All right, so Rob yeah. Zombie. All right, so five-way match. Rob Zombie, James Hetfield, Trent Reznor, <laughs> John Garcia, and Lil John. Yeah, Lil John's a fucking wild card. <laughs> he just kicks everyone's ass. Well, that uh, brings us to uh, the magnum opus, basically. Welcome to Sky Valley, released June 28th, 1994, otherwise known as Sky Valley or the self-titled Caius album. This was released on Electra Records. The lineup is now John Garcia, Josh Hame, Scott Reeder, and Brant Bjork. And I found out that Scott Reeder not only tried out for Metallica, but also Tool. I didn't know about Tool. I didn't but, know uh, that I either. Did, I did know about Metallica. And, you know, Tool covers Demon Cleaner. Yes. Live. Uh, I, I never saw it, but yeah. So this album was recorded in early 93 and scheduled for release in January of 94. They sneak previewed the completed album at the Foundations Forum 93 and contributed Demon Cleaner to a sampler disc. Uh, due to mild success of the last album, they had been promoted from their subsidiary record label, Dolly, to the main label, Chameleon. And then on uh, in November of 93, Chameleon Records shut down, and Elektra quickly picked up the band and scheduled the album for release in March of that year. Then it was delayed another three months after that, uh, so it took a while. Uh, this is the first one to have Scott Reeder. He replaced Oliveri. Uh, last album to feature Brant Bjork. Uh, the song N.O. or No was originally recorded by Across the River, which was a band fronted by Mario Lolly and featured uh, Scott Reeder on bass. After Reeder left the Obsessed and joined Caius, Bjork suggested they record N.O. or No 
as a tribute to Across the River. Uh, on CD, Welcome to Sky Valley was originally released with its 10 total songs contained in three tracks with an additional fourth hidden track. It was later re-released with all 10 tracks separated individually. However, most commercially sold versions of the compact disc contain the three-track setup, which is meant to encourage listeners to experience it as a full album instead of a collection of separate songs, which Hame claimed in an interview that the band just wanted it to be like hell to play on a CD player, which is kind of funny, actually. The album's liner notes instruct the listener to listen without distraction. And uh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say it's exactly what you should do. Guess it's fucking amazing, and you should turn it up really loud. Album fucking rules. Yeah, there's not like, that it's... much more that I can really say that hasn't been said before. You know, it's nope. it's one of the best stoner metal albums, stoner rock albums. It's one of the best metal albums. I think it's honestly one of the best rock albums of all time. Maybe one of the best album agree. albums of all time. You could even call it jam. Like it, like there's you know. A jam like even a heavy jam influence on there too you know what i mean like uh you could take the outro of gardenia mm -hmm. that jam and that could be you know what i mean you could transcribe that to fucking fish if you wanted to don't do it but you could you know what i mean <laughs> um yeah it's just a fucking it's just amazing the all the cd i think i've had that i went through about three copies of that on cd and they were all the the three track well four track versions which i never minded because i always just listen to the whole thing anyway yeah i mean it certainly holds its place well amongst the legion of other amazing records out there it's just like banger after banger on it and like maybe the worst thing about the record's existence is just how impactful it's been because people have been chasing and recreating these riffs for like over two decades now whether for better mm -hmm. or for worse Agreed. You know, I love it all the way through, but like personal favorites for me, Asteroid, Super Scoopa, 100 Degrees, Odyssey, Demon Cleaner, which Demon Cleaner, I feel like is sort of like an ancestor to Queens of the Stone Age, at least for the early stuff. There's something about it that really gives me like kind of like, I think that like gives me a vibe of that band and Whitewater. The drop in 100 Degrees is like perfect. Have you seen the videos of that, like, online of that wrestler or M MMA guy just, like, smacking people and, like, smacking dummies and shit? No. He just hits them so hard. It's that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> like, it's just such an intense drop. And, like, I we were talking about lyrics before. I like a lot. Like, uh, this record, I feel like, has like they kind of nailed it and like it's just they're weird but like they're kind of but they're kind of fun like in gardenia i really like this lyric smell my shit eaten grin on the skids of my world 666 miles per hour just smell my shit eaten grin that's a mm -hmm. great phrase it is it, yeah it is there's a misinterpreted for me lyrics on that album that i still to this day i don't even know what he says but I just say it anyway. There's that one, uh, what's the song? Uh, and I'm home, alone. You know, when he's, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, but then he says something about, um, I can't even fucking do it. But it sounds to me like he's saying something about white socks. Like, uh, so in my head, I always say like, I got my white socks on. 
but he's not saying that. I don't think so. You know. I'm home, alone, white socks on. <laughs> uh, also, kind of got me thinking: is fire? Is the fire in the mountains festival inspired by the lyric "Fire on the Mountain" from Odyssey? Well, fire, fire on the mountain has got to be some older stuff because the Grateful Dead has a song called "Fire on the Mountain." Okay, All you know right. what I mean, yeah. So that was, um, you know, if anything, it might be a harken to them, but I don't think so. Mm, I don't know, but lyrically. Odyssey, I love that song because that's like the closest I think Caius is ever going to get to writing like an epic fantasy style heavy metal song because it is inherently <laughs> like has that epic nature to it, but it's written yeah, I with agree. the swagger of South of you know uh, Southern California. I agree. It's, it's good stuff. You Whitewater, great. Like I love the another lyric I loved in this. You move your own mountain. That's just one of my favorite songs, as I said, of just of all time. Like it's, yeah, yeah, it's top five. Definitely. It's great. There's that ridiculous hidden track at the end of it about licking a dew. Mm-hmm. I was singing it today. Lick my dew. <laughs> it comes on the record too. It's fun. Conan Troutman. That was like a nice return to Sabbath. That could have been a sleep song. Hmm. Interesting. And uh, never, I love never that. realized that take, but. I, I I love that version of No by Across the River, which like if if you haven't listened to that band, you fucking should. Oh yeah, yeah it's yeah incredible. yeah. That that like um that demo live is shit of them playing the live of them playing in like the gymnasium or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that? I don't think I've seen that. I've just listened. It's like to a this whole demo. show. It's like a whole like fucking forty minute show of them well, playing. It's fucking uh, amazing. If you haven't listened to this, Scott Reader has a YouTube channel with the demo uploaded. So and that's what you... the other video is on, too. Oh, okay, okay. It's on his channel, yeah. And uh, you got me this on vinyl, and I can't thank you enough for doing that. Oh, you're welcome. Because this is like, despite all the bullshit associated with the band, this is, a, I think, a record worth having. Yeah, everybody needs that. So... I, uh, I went to place in Minneapolis, and I couldn't believe it. They had four copies. They had two Circus and two Sky Valley. I bought them all. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't going to say no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. No, I was just going to say very recently, I just added uh, Red Sun, too. Thanks to Dustin. Nice. Thanks to D-Money. Send it to me all the way from uh, Maryland. Nice. And that brings us to the last Caius album, Dot, 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 and the Circus Leaves Town which was released on July 11th, 1995. The lineup was John Garcia, Josh Hame, Scott Reeder, and Alfredo Hernandez. He replaced Brant Bjork, who left in 93. Uh, this album features a tighter, more straightforward sound, both in songwriting and production. Uh, it was not as commercially or critically successful as the previous two. Uh, critic Dean Brown attributes this partly to a lack of promotion and the band's breakup, but also notes that the album, quote, deserves to be cherished as much as the two Molten Hot records that came before it, unquote. Uh, the song Catamaran is a cover of a song originally recorded by Yawning Man. And uh, I could not tell you the last time I listened to this record. It has been forever. So it felt like a very fresh take to me. And uh, I think we disagree on this album. I love it. I fucking love it. Phototropic is one of the greatest songs ever. 
fucking spaceship landing is badass. All the instrumentals are rocking. Honestly, it, banger opener. What are you? What are you? Where are you at with this, bro? I'm, I'm not trying to convince you, but it's fucking. I... It's good stuff, dude. You know. Great drum sound on the re- like the sound of Alfredo's drums like on the record are just whew. In terms of the way it sounds generally, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with it. Like nobody's performing badly on it, really. I I just kind of like I kind of felt like when Hurricane starts, I was just like, well, this is a Kaya song, but like it's sort of just like if you just think of what a Kaya song sounds like. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm like expecting too much from them, but like it's kind of hard to pin down. But like I, I, the fact that this record, despite being specifically their sound, just it just didn't feel as refined as it did to me on on Welcome to Sky Valley. I think maybe Sky Valley has that like slight muddiness to it that like I think just gives it so much like character. I could have been due to the signs of the stress in the band at the time, but I felt like, I don't know, maybe I, I feel like maybe like they were wondering like what the staying power of the music was going to be, which is kind of like why Queens of the Stone Age 2 departed very strongly away from what it started out as. Like, I wonder if that was a part of it. I, I wonder if Hame got sick of being the down-tuned guy, even though like, those first few Queens records would be as heavy as Caius, in my opinion, in some ways. I don't know. I, I just, I wonder if Caius would have maybe started to evolve into a band kind of like Queens of the Stone Age over time. And it would sort of just like adapt. I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I wonder if that would have happened, but I felt like, I felt like the signs of the band kind of being at their end were evident and I because I felt like this was I know it's produced by Chris Goss again but I really just felt like the 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 message was like oh just do what you did again but I felt like it wasn't it kind of lacked the inspiration that was on the previous one I think I just like it a little bit scratchier I think I think this is actually in some ways like too well produced it feels like refined in some ways like it feels Sorry, I know I said it didn't feel as refined. It feels refined in a different manner, if that makes any sense. There's all valid points. I get you. You know what I mean? Like, I understand. Like, I think the old Boozeroni echoes the sound of Sky Valley that I like the most. So, like, it kind of starts there for me. Like, I know One Inch Man was the big single, but, like, that song's never really grabbed me that, that much. I liked El Rodeo a lot, and that's, like, a totally, like, noodly jam track. Like that was the heaviness I was expecting from that album. Like I liked how it was sort of a, a big dynamic, epic kind of sleazy Western thing going on there. And that kind of transitioned nicely into jumbo blimp jumbo. Like I do, I do. One thing that's remained consistent though, is I do like all their like odd, but unique titles for their jam songs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like catamaran really like is one of the better songs on there and it like has the benefit of being a yawning man cover so you know it's kind of like they're kind of freed of what they're doing yeah that's true it uh it is definitely their own take on the song definitely it sounds nothing like yawning yeah yeah 
the yawning man version is more grandiose in my opinion i do agree with you like i do like spaceship landing it just that's, that's fucking that's good shit great great <laughs> track like yeah. that's what i fucking wanted from this record mm. it, it's like that perfect marriage of desert rock with sabbath plus like some like a spacey theme mm-hmm. like ah yeah yeah it's, it's so good yeah, yeah i agree it's i love how it sounds like two different songs too you know what i mean like it's like right split almost split right down the middle you ever notice yeah. that about it it's it's yeah. really cool i like yeah. it yeah and i also think it's hilarious that there's kaya songs that are that have never been recorded that have that are out there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we get like some really odd cut like choices for like this last album i'm like there mm-hmm. must have been other stuff that was better i mean who knows mm-hmm. uh and then there's like the two hidden tracks because there's there's medea which is like this stupid little jingle that i i don't even know what they were just they were just fucking around with that one and day one so like the last track is like thirty something minutes long, and uh, that song actually I I I liked it. It's very short. It's kind of like Pixies mixed with Kaya's. Yeah, the album's like all over the place. Like title makes sense. It's kind of a circus of a record. Like there's a lot of different sounds besides just the Kaya sound. Like you got heavy riffs, R and B singing, crooning, crooning kind of thing bouncing riffs and groovy bass it's almost like they tried to make a queens of the stone age record but they didn't have all the bells and whistles <laughs> so it's funny so i don't they, think it's uh, like by any stretch do i think it's like the worst thing i've ever heard i just think it's like we wouldn't be friends tell. if that was if that was the case we would not be friends oh okay. yeah like, <laughs> if, someone would, if somebody was like uh gun to my head you have to listen to this record and you'll live i'll be like okay like <laughs> fine okay okay <laughs> but okay yeah i i just think you can tell the band was done i think that's the other side of it you can just tell that they're done and uh kind of stinks that that was we're never gonna like get we're never gonna get like the 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 proper it's never gonna i don't know i i just don't think the band's ever gonna get like kind of like like i know so many people hold the band up so fucking high and those two records are fucking incredible and there's something to be said for the early stuff too. Um, it just kind of sucks that we're never going to ha- get like a chance to like see it proper. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Overall, it's like, it's such an incredible, like those two records, Blues for the Red Sun and Sky Valley are just, they're just so fucking incredible, especially Sky Valley. It's, it's, you can't top it. It's so fucking good. I agree. It's uh, some of my favorite music and I listen to it a lot that shit's been a constant in my life for a long time <laughs> that band i don't for me there's no other you know sometimes there's no other way to scratch that that itch and it's something that i think you could put on for people who aren't really into like heavy shit and they might dig it, it definitely has a playing, broader appeal I, I remember playing it one time for a guy whose uh favorite band was a uh, lamb of god if that tells you anything about that and he was this dude he loved it so i don't know <laughs> i just want to say as a personal story i had the pleasure of seeing john garcia and the band of gold at desert fest new york back in may this year and they Kills. did the following kaya songs when i saw them 
Gardenia, 100 Degrees, Supa Scoopa and Mighty Scoop, El Rodeo, Tangy Zizzle, Conan Troutman, Whitewater, and closed out with Green Machine. That's dope. They also did a slow burn cover, and it would have only what? been perfect. Yeah, they covered July. What? That's my favorite song from the slow burn. <laughs> it would have been only perfect if they broke out Odyssey. I think the place would have probably came down. Yeah. But <laughs> they didn't. And that if that's the closest thing to seeing Caius live, fuck it. I'm I'm happy. I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Took awesome. some fucking kick ass pictures. That's awesome. So yeah, that's that that was Caius. And that was 2022 for Diary of Doom. I don't really know what lies in the future for Diary of Doom at the moment. Because uh, going into the next year, I am taking a fucking another break. <laughs> it has been well, you, uh, challenging with the new job. You deserve it, man. You've been working hard, so I don't think anybody's going to get mad at you. Obviously, if anything changes, there will probably be some post about it in the near future. But thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to all the guests for coming on, yourself included. Right on. Thank you to, you know, everybody who helped contribute to the podcast in one way, shape, or form, art, shirts, whatever it was. If you helped out, I appreciate it. I'm sorry, I don't have a list prepared, so it's kind of a blanket thank you. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Check out August on the Fly. Buy some fucking fishing lures if you know somebody who is into that shit. I don't really have anything else to to talk about. Mary, Mary, uh, I always get like really hung up saying this fucking pun now. Mary <laughs> Kiasmus. Likewise. You got anything you want to say or plug? Yeah, buy my flies if you want. If not, it's okay. If you don't. <laughs> but you should. Um, yeah, if you want. Yeah, if you want. I just made my, I just got, uh, Made my profit got kicked up into uh, a tax bracket with my last order because I made officially like the amount of money now that the government wants a piece of oh, it. So now you, yeah, you finally got to the level where they're like, "Oh, we have to like keep an eye on him." Yeah. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> fuck the man. Hard agree, but yeah, everybody out there, be good to each other. Treat people with respect. Hug your friends. Hug your family. Smoke weed. Yeah. Fuck the cops. Um, yep. Just be safe out there. And do your thing. And that'll do it for this chapter of the diary. We'll see you when we see you. <laughs> you know that I have music, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, but I like making the music at the end of my thing. <laughs> Yeah.